Alright, this is Sawyer Racanelli. This is Jared Duvalco. I'm Hunter Abrams with Ridgefield Football, and you're, you're listening, listening to the Full Circle, Circle Podcast, Podcast 360 with 360 Preps. Preps. This is the Full Circle Podcast with 360 Preps. I am your host, Joshua Hart. I am here with Preps reporter Meg Wachnick. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the biggest football surprises of Week 11. We're going to take a look ahead at state semifinal soccer, and we're going to break down our three local football teams' quarterfinal matchups. So that's what's on tap for Episode 14 of the Full Circle Podcast. All right, let's get right down into the Week 11 biggest surprises. What was the biggest surprise of Week 11 football for you, Meg? I'm going to say Connell's victory over LeCenter. A lot of people think of that as an upset, right? A 13 over 4, it was the highest seed to go down across all classifications last week. But it makes me wonder two things. A, was LeCenter seeded too high when the state seeding committee did their state seeds two weeks ago? Or B... Was Connell seated too low? Those are the things that, that stood out for me in a 17-7 win to end LeCenter's undefeated season up to that point. So that's what stuck out for me for Week 11. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting uh, talking point because no, te- no top four team had yet to go down since the seating committee had started. Right. This is the first top four seed to go down. And talking with Tim Martinez once he got back into the office Saturday, he said he looked at Connell and – Clearly, this was not a 13 seed. Mm-hmm. This was a very good team. And maybe they got seeded too low. Yeah. But I think when it comes down to it, every football coach will say, hey, on any given day, uh, one team can beat another. I think this was a team that just came in and took it to the center. I mean, this this was a team that just was better that day. And I think LeCenter had a great season. I think that, that with Tom Lambert back at quarterback next year, they'll they'll continue to do really good things. But they just got beat on, on one day, and that, that takes nothing away from their season. Um, but it, it was certainly a surprising result to see. I know Brighton Schmitz did not play. What do you have, three carries for three yards yeah, before getting in injured? Quarter, yeah. yeah. So I kind of wonder. I know injuries are obviously a part of sports. We see it all the time. But how much of a factor – would it have been if he played and was still 100% healthy? I, I think LeCenter wins that game. I really do. It was, it was basically a one-possession game for, gosh, what, three and a half quarters? Yep. So I know Connell scored a, a late touchdown to make it 17-7 to the final score, but you got to wonder, with your all-league tailback out with a, an injury, the first couple plays of the game, that obviously had a big impact. Yeah, and what's interesting now, which I think we'll have to change in future years, is that Connell now gets to host Mount Baker. Isn't that crazy? I, I understand. I wouldn't want things to be reseeded. That's not certainly what I'm asking for, but it should seem like it should just default to the higher seed, the lower seed. Or, yes. The yeah. lower seed getting the home field advantage. It seems weird that Mount Baker, a five seed, has to travel to 13 seed. But maybe that's the reward. If you're a Connell team, a double-digit seed that upsets a four, maybe that is your reward. So I'm okay with leaving that as Connell hosting a state quarterfinal. I would just think that the reward is that you you get to play a five seed rather than, you know, having Having your season end? Well, well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, that was certainly a big surprise. Another one I was surprised by, I thought Washougal would be competitive, Mm -hmm. but – 
to go out and beat a, a good six seated Clarkston team after a eight hour bus ride the day before in for their first state win since 1974. Yes. That's pretty impressive. That, to me. that was too. That was, if I had to go one in one a, I think the center falling to Connell and then the one B for me is, is Washougal winning. That's a long trek. Have you ever driven to Clarkston or I've, Lewiston? I've driven to Lewiston. Okay. Yes. That's a heck of a <laughs> long drive and even longer drive on a bus. Right. So, a fantastic, especially defensive effort. That's the one that stuck out for me. Brevin B scored the the eventual game winning touchdown. On a little and bit of a controversial. It was, way. And, and I know we'll get into it a little bit, but um, a tremendous defensive effort. And now they get to face Linden on the road, a very tough Linden team that lost to Hawkinson in last year's title game. It's you know defense is going to come up big, I think, against Linden as well. That Washougal defense the the last few weeks has just been so impressive. To watch them do what they did against WF West and then again only allowing 13 points up in Clarkston, led by Brevin B, that defense is really good. And and I think the cooler story, too, is that Dave Hajek, the, the coach at Washougal, this is his third stint with the team. Mm-hmm. He's Washougal uh, alumni. He's, he's lived in Washougal his whole life. And uh, he finally gets his state win. You know, after yeah. all these all these tries at it, he finally gets to to have a team advance to the state quarterfinals. Uh, that's a really cool story, and, and that's a big deal. This is only the second state win that Washougal's ever had. It technically reached the state quarterfinals. I don't think uh, the WIA back in '74 officially called it the quarterfinals, but this is their second state win. And and again, we talked about this last week. It's only the second time since '99 that they've reached this stage. So. Big ups to the Panthers on the win. Right. That controversial play, of course, gets interesting. The Twitter is all the rage about it. A referee late in the game, I think about a minute left, uh, referee blows the whistle to start play. Center snaps it while the whistle's still going. Confusion. Brevin B takes that chance at confusion as everybody stopped because they thought they heard a whistle. Mm-hmm. Runs it in for the game-winning touchdown. Clarkston obviously upset. Washougal joyful. Uh, referees you know, kind of converse and touchdown stance. And we, we want to preface this by saying it was third and goal from the two yard line. Right. When this, when this happened with inside a minute to go, um, I am a daughter of a, a 34 year veteran football official in Oregon. And so naturally I reached out to my father on Sunday because I wanted his opinion. He looked at the video and this is what he said. He feels, again, looking at the video and not being there live, that the center snapped the ball too soon. You have to wait for the whistle to, to finish, essentially. The, and the referee, the Whitehead, did maybe prolong the whistle a little bit too much, but he believes that's on the center. And, again, you're, you're stopping play. If he was the White Hat, what he would have done is blown the play dead because of safety concerns, because you have this confusion. Everyone stopped. Clarkson stopped. Washougal stopped. And so just replay the down. You're not loose. Set the, the clock back to, to whatever the time was when the play began, but stop the play for safety purposes. That was what he would have done. And that would be – it would be a delay of game penalty on the center. Yes. And it would be five yards back, so then it would have been a third and goal from the seven. Certainly yes. a big, impactful play. I still think Washougal – if if they if it was just a replay of down if we if it didn't get all the way back to the seven if we just took that play away and said what if the what if it had snapped and everything was normal and there wasn't this prolonged whistle issue mm. 
I would give Washugal a 70% chance to score from third and two with two plays to do so with a minute left. Oh, 70. I would go 95%. You're on the two yard line. Yeah, but they, they had been, they had gotten down to the five and they've been stopped twice. Okay. So you have two chances from the two to score. I like those chances at 95%. Especially on that play when it's a Brevin B direct snap. Right. And uh, how many times has he done that this year? It, it's pretty common. If it's inside the five yard line, guess who's getting the ball? It's number 17. Right. So, yeah, I think there's still a good chance Washougal um, wins that game. And there's nothing to take away. It's a confusing situation mm-hmm. and something we, we you know, hope doesn't happen. But, you know, in a close game like that, you know, you can kind of – those plays happen. And what I do – and I respect all five officials in that game for consulting each other. Hey, did you hear a whistle? Did you blow a whistle? No? Okay, well, the play stands. That's the rules. There's no inadvertent whistle blown. They didn't hear a whistle guess what the play stands so kudos to the five of them for consulting each other whether or not there is a whistle right and i know clarkson fans will be unhappy washugal fans will be happy there'll be arguments on twitter for decades to come yes but as it stands washugal's advancing to play linden and we'll get into that more but i think washugal um will have a better than better chance than people think in that one but we will get into that the other one was a game you were at meg one of the bigger surprises i thought of week 11 was not necessarily that Prairie lost. I think it was kind of a toss-up game. It was in the fashion that they lost when they went up, when they went up by a score with 25 seconds left, or up by two points. Three points, 30 three to po- 27. Right, three points with 25 seconds left. I was at the Ridgefield game and I was like, "Oh, Prairie just won this thing," mm-hmm. and kind of considered it a foregone conclusion until I was waiting for my interviews and I checked Twitter again and I was like, "Wait, what happened?" I'm still trying to process. Um, everything that happened. It was a crazy ending to a game that I didn't actually see for about, oh, I don't know, three quarters of it because the fog up in Marysville was so thick. If you check my Twitter timelines, you'll see some video there. I mean, funnily, I I decided to post a video of, I think it was Nicholas Lawhead's touchdown. I think it was for 15 yards. And I think AJ Dixon threw him the ball because I don't exactly know what happened from my vantage point. I I loved one of your quotes that you had from your story in that game was Dustin Shelby uh, saying, I didn't know where the ball was until it was right in front of my face. And I asked the kids that post game is how much did, did that fog affect you guys? And yeah, they said it was a big deal because in the second and third quarter from my vantage point in the press box I mean it was like I was having to watch the game from the moon because it was it was that bad but on the field and and what was terrible about the fog it was it was just sitting on the field there was no movement there was very little wind to try to push um, the air out but um, the kids were having a hard time and again when you're a prairie team that likes to throw the ball oh I don't know 70 percent of the time that's going to impact your offense. Certainly more than the double wing of Mary's. Exactly. So, I mean, it was a tremendous finish. I, I was down on the field for that final drive that, that led to Ian Davis's 21-yard touchdown reception with 25 seconds to go. I'm thinking, you're right. I even tweeted it. Hey, Prairie's 25 seconds away from the quarterfinals. But there was a penalty, an excessive celebration called on Davis for spiking the ball. And I know a lot of Prairie fans are upset. It happened right in front of the official it doesn't matter how hard or how soft you spike that ball. That is a penalty, right. hands down. Right. Hands down. It's unfortunate, and but those are the rules. It is. So you're, you're backing yourselves on the kickoff back 15 yards already, and Marysville, Pilchuck had tremendous field pres- position 
for that final drive. Edgar Martinez, not Edgar the Hall Martinez. of Famer. Coming up big, right? How many times has Edgar come up big? But yes, not the Hall of Famer that everyone knows, but but a five foot nine, hundred and forty pound some kicker for Pilchuk just drills a beautiful kick right down right down the middle for thirty nine yards to send the game into overtime. Pilchuk scores on its opening possession. AJ Dixon falls just two yards short of what would have been a first down to continue Prairie's drive in overtime, but alas, the game ends in a loss in OT. That and that's just tough loss for for Prairie to swallow. I mean, what a what a great season from that group. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I think I think they showed you know that that they, that they were worthy of being in the field. That they were worthy of you know the eleven seed or more in that game. It, it's just an unfortunate way to end. Um, but hats off to that squad all all year long. They were a fun team to follow and watch. It was, and and so many big things happened for that team. And hopefully, this is just the start for big things to happen at Prairie. Right, right. And we'll we'll have to we'll have to kind of duke it out here in the office on who our all region player of the year is. There's but a lot of quality candidates. AJ Dixon yeah. is certainly one of those guys up there in the top of the conversation. That that was a great year he had. And Absolutely. So. Um, that's that's kind of a wrap on on kind of what the big big talking points of week 11 were there was obviously some cl- close games uh, some running clocks but those were kind of the big takeaways uh- state soccer coming up here on Friday which offered some bigger surprises on last Saturday Three, count them, three 2A GSHL teams qualified for the state semifinals. Columbia River beats their arch rival, who they've faced way too many times in the state tournament. Liberty, they beat them 4-1. to one. Hawkinson wins, Ridgefield wins, and all three are set for Shoreline Stadium on Friday. Isn't this crazy? I think the biggest surprise from state soccer was Hawkinson winning. I didn't, I didn't see Hawkinson, honestly, getting past the first round. But here they are having, I believe this is their best season state tournament-wise that they've this, had. This is their first ever state semifinal yes. appearance. And look who they're facing, a familiar opponent in the state semifinals in Ridgefield, right? I What's crazy to me, I saw Hawkinson and Ridgefield play early on in the season, in their first go-around, and I went, man, these two teams are actually really good. River might have some trouble. River runs the league table undefeated and clearly doesn't have any issues. Uh, but Hawkinson and Ridgefield were still good teams like I thought, and now they get to face each other in the state semis. Third time third time go-around, right, for these teams? Eight. This yeah, this would be number three. How do you see this third time go around happening? It's, given given it's the, the success of both, because I think Hawkinson has improved a lot since the last time I saw him. Hawkinson, I, I've watched some of the videos online and, and that have come out, and and they've just gotten better. They they continue to to get better. And Brooke Graz going to my alma mater, Western Washington University, next year. Smart girl. Um, she she's been just phenomenal over the last few weeks, and that team has just been really gritty. They they've just been able to find ways to win, and um, I think they're really gonna put some pressure on Ridgefield. I think Ridgefield has a slight edge in talent. I, I think they're they're led by Annika Farley. I, I think I would give Ridgefield a slight advantage just talent-wise. I think it's going to be close. It's a toss-up for me. I, if I had to pick, I would say Ridgefield maybe 2-1. to one. 
but I'm I'm really excited for that that six o'clock Friday game. Are there more as as the soccer guru in the office? I'm curious to know. Are there more advantages or disadvantages for teams with so much history between each other like these two because they they're so familiar with each other's style of play? Um, I don't know if it's an advantage to one side or the other, but um, it certainly impacts things. You see this in like the NFL divisional games are always close type of thing. Right. Uh, it was the Ridgefield win over Columbia River in the district title game was this a similar way. It's really hard to beat a team three times. I know Columbia River really wants to see Ridgefield. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, we're guaranteed to have one Clark County right. team in the and finals. And Columbia River gets Sela first, and Sela's a team that beat Ording ten to zero in the first round of this state tournament. So Sela's, you know, there's no guarantee River gets there. Mm -hmm. But I talked to Yanesi Rodriguez um, today at practice, and I asked her, "Who would you rather see in the state championship?" And she said, "Ridgefield. I really want to avenge that All loss." All right. Wow. Um, and that's the only loss this season for for Columbia River. Right. They they ran the league table undefeated, which is now more impressive than I first thought when you have two state semifinalists yes, yes. in your league. Uh, they lose in that district championship game, which Philly Affinagus says it was a good thing to happen because it refocused the squad. You know, when you had won 25 of your last 26, right. it's really hard to be like, hey, here's what we need to work on. Why, coach? We're winning all the time. Sure. Um, that certainly refocused the squad. I am so excited. For this this weekend it's been a while um since i've had multiple teams at a state semifinal i used to cover squalicum and bellingham and Seahome, and they were frequent member they were frequent attendants of shoreline stadium for the the 2a girls soccer tournament it's gonna be a lot of fun i think i think river gets their fourth star would be my okay. prediction all right so um yeah that's that's a look ahead at state soccer um rivers making their fourth straight state semifinal ridgefield the third time this decade and hawkinson their first ever so uh really good good opportunity for southwest washington soccer to really show their stripes there's a lot of uh college commits on in in southwest washington soccer it's it's really taking taking off as philly affinigas said i think southwest washington's just fallen in love with soccer um so it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting Uh, moving on to the the quarterfinal football action this week, we just have three teams left, so we'll call this segment three to C. <laughs> if you say so. Um, it wasn't hard to choose these games this week, but we'll start with. I guess maybe it was difficult to choose the order of which you're going to uh, give us the games, right? I I just went based on the brackets of who came first. So okay. we'll right. start with Washougal because they're at the top of the 2A bracket. All right. Uh, Washougal versus Linden, 2 p.m. Saturday at Civic Stadium in Bellingham. How do you see this one playing out? You know, I think it's going to be a lot closer game than people maybe anticipate. Linden's had a, a terrific season. Their, their strength of schedule has been impressive. Uh, but I think the defense uh, will keep Washougal in this game. It's It's been tremendous the last couple of weeks, especially – as of late with these two playoff victories. But I think they're going to give them a game, but I still like Linden winning this game. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go 24 to 7. Right. And I was talking about it in the office. When you have a defense as good as Washougal's, you're, never, you're always going to be in it. And a, a weird play here or there, you could be looking at an upset victory. Mm -hmm. Because that defense, they're not going to – even though Linden has a ton of athletic dudes – 
they're not going to allow him to drop 40. You know, I, I, I would be stunned. I'd be more stunned to see Linden drop 40 than I would be to see Washougal win this game. Okay. Um, I, but I just don't – Washougal's offense at times goes through these lulls that they, they just can't move the ball. Uh, we saw it against WF West. There was times against Clarkston that that was the case. Uh, so, yeah, I still see Linden winning. I, I think it's, it's 21, 21 to 7. Um, but it's going to be closer than people, yes, people I agree. think, I for agree. sure. Just like we predicted that the Hawkinson-Ellensburg game last week would be closer than On people money, think. yep, yep, absolutely <laughs> it was. Um, Hawkinson really had to grit that one out. They host Lakewood at 4 p.m. Saturday at Battlegrounds District Stadium. This one is going to be interesting, I think. You know, I think Hawkinson actually matches up better than I thought they were against Lakewood. You gotta remember, Lakewood actually came down and played Evergreen. Was it week three? Evergreen had its 17 zip lead at half, only to score 41 unanswered to win 41 to 17. There's a lot of similar styles, and I think it starts with the quarterback of Levi Crum. 34 touchdown passes thrown this year, but he's got 12 rushing scores as well. I think he's had one in in each of their last five games. He's started to become more of that dual threat quarterback, and Jared Taylor, their quarterback up at Lakewood kind of similar style he's a dual threat guy as well but um I still like Lakewood in this one I think the two-year reign as the defending champions um ends for Hawkinson in this game I just they've been banged up uh, they're having some personnel shifts for this one um I just I'm not sure they have enough to overcome Lakewood in this one yeah, Lakewood's, I think, one of those teams that have kind of gone unnoticed this year in the 2A ranks, but have been a really good team. They're a team that, um, you know, hung with Linden. They're a team that beat Archbishop Murphy. This is a this is a good football team, mm-hmm. and Hawkinson is missing their weapons. We all know about Sawyer Racanelli and Peyton Brammer being gone. They're missing some some guys on the line, and... You know this. This is this is a team that's far from at their best right now. Yes. I think this is a defense of Hawkinson that's also kind of gone um, unnoticed a little bit. They held Ellensburg to 15 points. This is a really good defense that I think will keep them in it. But I just, I just don't see Hawkinson winning this game with some of the guys they have missing. Levi Crum's going to do his best job to to somehow walk away with a win in this one. I'm sure he'll make some incredible plays, but I, I see Lakewood winning by winning by a score. And Crum's been starting on defense at safety since Brammer went out. And he had so an that's, interception against Kelso. Yeah, and that's asking a lot for your quarterback in a state quarterfinal game to go both ways. Um, I think the run defense uh, is underrated for Hawkinson. They've done a tremendous job in the run game. Uh, on the flip side, the run game, I think, will will be a difference maker for them. Cody Wheeler and Daniel Thompson, kind of that thunder-lightning mix. But like I said, do you have enough to overcome Liquid? And I'm not sure that they, they do. They just, there's just too many missing pieces right now. There's going to be more guys playing two-way, like you mentioned with Crum. There, there, there's going to be more fatigue that sets in. And, and against Kelso, they showed how well-conditioned they are. Mm-hmm. But against Kelso, they also had Peyton Brammer. True. You know, they had some guys on the line that, that – that played both ways in that game. The to, last to keep I, up running with Lakewood is going to be it's going to be a task. Right, the last 2-3 years, this entire offense has been a pass heavy spread with with Brammer and Racanelli and you I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what classification of football you're playing, you lose two Division 1 football players. That 
hurts any right. team. Unless you're maybe Matter Day or something sure. in California. Yeah. Are you a nationally ranked team? <laughs> but that's that's a tough blow. It really yeah. is to overcome. Yeah. And it'll be tough to to you know if, if our predictions do come true. Tough to see Hawkinson season end when they were that beat up because you wonder if they had been fully healthy, they were almost locks maybe for the we, state I, 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 I saw Hawkinson as a three-peat, absolutely, kind of creating that mini dynasty before the injury to Sawyer Racanelli and obviously of late with the injury to Peyton Brammer. But what is your score prediction for Saturday? I'll say 28-24. Okay, Lakewood. I was going to go uh, 28-14 Lakewood. Okay. The final game on tap, Puyallup versus Camus, 2 p.m. Saturday at Doc Harris. This one is going to be really interesting, I think. Puyallup coming off a 40-34 thrilling win over Eastlake, in which I think there was seven lead changes that sounds about right. in the yeah. first half alone. Camus comes off a 41-0 win over Eastmont. They took a 34-0 lead in the first half and kind of slowed down a little bit in that second half. Camus is still beat up. Caden Steven has not played since week three. Uh, Jake Blair is still out. This could be really close. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. Um, Puyallup had an exciting finish when they played Union. What was that, week five? That Saturday game up at Spark Stadium? I think this is going to be the stiffest test for Camus. What I want to see is how well they do in the secondary how that defense does against a Puyallup team that likes to throw the ball. I'm not sure they faced a team maybe since Lincoln in week one. Yeah. That throws as much as Puyallup. Right. I think Skyview. Yes. I think Lincoln threw 61 times in week one. This is going to be a heck of a game and I'm, I'm excited to see what Camus can do. I think Camus on defense is still one of the best teams in the state Mm -hmm. on defense. That offense, though, I would be a little bit concerned about if this game turns into a shootout, if Puyallup is able to crack the code on that Camus defense, if this game gets into a shootout, I don't think Camus has the firepower on offense to keep up. This is a this is a team against Eastmont that relied a little bit on checkdowns, a lot, of course, on their running backs. Jacques Badalato Birdsell had another three touchdowns, and, and they're going to lean on him a lot and maybe slow this game down so it doesn't get into a shootout. But if Puyallup is able to crack that secondary a little bit, you know, even if it's for a big play, you know, every now and then, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really tough for a beat up Camus offense to keep up on, on, on that, in that shootout. If it gets into a low scoring defensive game, Camus is going to win that Camus. That's what Camus thrives on. Tyler Forner is just uh, awesome in in the middle of that defense Last week he didn't play offense or special teams. I'm, I hear he he'd probably be worked back into that this week. They're they're tr- he's a little beat up and they they're trying to conserve him a little bit in certain ways so that it can be prepared for this stretch run. And I actually think he Tyler Fornan will be an X factor in this game. Just he's a pure athlete. The return game. What does he have? Five special teams right. touchdowns this year. Um, a tremendous player, but I think he will be the difference in this one. So what's your score prediction? I'm gonna say. Boy, parts of me think it's going to be a high-scoring game, See, don't that's you? What I, if it's high-scoring, and I think it will be high-scoring as well, but if it's high-scoring, I don't think Camus wins. Okay, I'm going to say um, 31-24 Camus. Okay. I will go 35-24 Puyallup. Upset. 
All right. Camus fans are going to hate me on this one. Who says they already don't? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I've covered them more than any other team this year. We love you, Camus. <laughs> so, yeah, tweet at me telling me I'm wrong. That's okay. I'll be okay with it. Okay. So um, I, I like Camus' size up front. I have all year. Um, it, what was interesting to me in that Eastmont game, Blake Asciutto got sacked twice in the first half. Really, really unusual. For I've never, I don't think I've seen a Camus quarterback get touched all season, yeah, let alone the only time I, I saw it when Blair went down. I think it was out of the pocket, so I don't think it counted as a sack. But uh, that's the only time I saw Blair get touched all year in the three times that I saw right. Camus play. And so. that's why I was shocked. You know, Eastmont's got some athletic dudes, mm-hmm. but when I don't know if it was just they they weren't focused or what. But when you see two sacks in right. the first half, that was a little bit okay. I was like. Huh, that's interesting because you know Eastmont is not the greatest team out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, yeah, if it was just lack of focus coming into that one or what. But yeah, two sacks was unusual. For this should sure. this should be a. They a, also a, missed an extra point, which was even crazier. Bryce Layton mixed mixed a PAT. Yeah, it was it was right over the bar. Ooh. I mean, it was it was inches one way or the other. I think I think it just missed right. I think the refs had it right, but. He was shocked. He was out there. I'm shocked. He was out there. Or, you know, he was right afterward. He was working on his kicks, you know, into the net. And then at halftime, he was working on his kicks. Oh, his, uh, I mean, well. his kickoffs. I mean, he is deserving a, of an All-American status because I think he could do kickoffs from Washougal yep. and well, still co- be called for touchbacks. What was crazier, too, was right after the extra point, the kick went. The kickoff went out of bounds, which is the fir- also the first time I've seen that happen. Oh wow! Too. So I was like, "What is happening?" The- there was two sacks. <laughs> there was a missed extra point and a kick out of bounds. I was like, "What is what is happening?" Wow. It was only seven zero at the end of the first <laughs> quarter. I was like, "Is Camus in trouble?" But of course they come back and and they do just fine. Mm-hmm. Layton makes his other um, thing, other all his other extra points just fine. He'll make all of his extra points this week right. as he does. Mm-hmm. But I was it was very, it was a weird game. I'll say that it was weird. Uh, um, but that's all we have for episode 14 of the full circle podcast make sure to follow us on twitter at 360 preps meg is at meg Wachnick. i am at jt hart 23 so follow all of us for updates uh, i'm be at state soccer you'll be at camas football uh, we'll have lots of content. Uh, we'll have some stories throughout the week to, to catch up on at 360preps.com. We're on Instagram. Micah is on TikTok. So am I. Meg is on TikTok. TikTok craze is continuing, rolling on. Uh, but, yeah, check it all out, Instagram, all of that good stuff, and we'll see you back next week uh, to break it all down. Before you can win, you have to believe you are worthy. Mike Ditka